This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Carm Capriato, Remarkable Results Radio, and the Aftermarket Weekly Podcast. And we're going to do some strategy talking with Rachel Spencer. Good to have you here. You know, we're the gold standard of automotive aftermarket business acumen podcast. So good to have you here. And Rachel, I just can't tell you how excited I am just to talk a little armchair quarterbacking strategy with you. Let's do this. Just think of the fact that we have disciplined shows and we talk about specific topics. And the this show is going to be kind of an open forum, meaning the day after the game. So what would you think of the game, Carm? Well, they could have done this better. And what about that? Because post-think, you know, we always can find those issues. And so I, I really want to want to talk about a bunch of great stuff. Anyway, we're coming to you live from the Dorman OE Fix studio, sometimes called My Carm Cave. We're so grateful to Dorman for their continued support. Dorman Products creates hundreds of new automotive replacement products every month. Part of what makes Dorman so unique is their ideation of new and innovative products. They have dedicated teams all across the U.S., Mexico, and Canada looking for new product ideas. Since every solution starts with a problem, these teams of researchers, field analysts, product specialists, and contributors consistently visit repair shops and make field calls. Now, this is to best understand the problems the industry is facing. In certain cases, Dorman will manufacture aftermarket replacements so you aren't forced to go back to the OE. Other times, experts take it an additional step, further solving what made the original part problematic in the first place. Solving for a problem is what powers the innovation engine at Dorman. Dorman Products has become an incredible engine for innovation. They are constantly bringing new replacement parts to the automotive industry, and they routinely release tens of thousands of parts across all different categories. Now, why do they do all of this? To enable technicians the freedom to fix their customers' cars and trucks. To do this, Dorman has dedicated teams focused on different aspects of the vehicle to ensure that they are meeting the needs of the aftermarket. Although a lot of their parts are reverse engineering of original equipment, they also redesign and redefine solutions such as their loaded knuckles or programmable electronic power steering rack. Dorman has invested in these OE Fix innovations to help you save time, your customer money, and prevent vehicles from coming back to your shop. In certain cases, Dorman will manufacture aftermarket replacements so you aren't forced to go back to the OE. Hey, want to know more about Dorman? Visit dormanproducts.com forward slash tour. Hey, thanks, Dorman. Good to have you here, Rachel. You were with us on an Aftermarket Weekly a bunch of weeks ago back in February of 2022. Thank you for all the support you have given to the podcast. Shop owner at Spencer's Auto Repair in Crum, Texas. I can't help but think what's going on in Texas. A little 100 degree weather? Just a little bit. I think we're at 103. Feels like 105 today. But I told Tracy, I said, I will take the heat any day compared to the ice and the cold. So I'm fine with it. I'm not going to complain about it. You mean I can't get you to come to Buffalo in February? No, I'm going to pass on that car. (laughs) Hey, look at how hard do you work on your systems down there? And consistency in processes and systems there, they are literally the lifeblood of a great organization. Do you ever just, here's my armchair quarterback question. I mean, do you take a policy a week and say, hey, let's see if this is working. And if not, what can we do to improve it? Yeah, absolutely. So we are constantly looking at what we can improve with our system. So if we see that something's not working, for example, maybe phone calls, we're constantly listening to our service advisors' phone calls to make sure that they are following 
um, the processes and everything that we've put in place here. So my advisor will tell you it's called a Rachelism. We have to inspect what we expect. So I am listening to those calls and I'm making sure that he's setting himself up for success, that he's asking for that appointment. He's asking for the sale, that he's got a good tone because consistency beats intensity, in my opinion. I am going to title this episode Rachelism. Rachelism. Yes. It was actually a joke around here. I bought him bracelets at one time. It was WWRD. What would Rachel do? (laughs) I love that. So it was kind of a running joke around here. Yeah, they think it's real funny. Rachelism. So you have to inspect what you expect. That's one of them. Close the expectation gap. So there's constantly, we've got little Rachelisms that we'll throw out there. I love that. And let me just say, there's nothing wrong with what would Rachel do or Rachelisms. And in fact, it to me sounds like it could be an infectious cultural thing inside the business. Meaning, what would mom do? Would my grandma want to come and shop here? And before you make decisions, and if your team is second guessing how, what would Rachel do in this particular case, then probably Rachel, more than not, they're going to make the right decision. Yes. I mean, because they know this is their livelihood just as much as it is mine, that we're all invested in this and it's one for all. I mean, we're all together in this. Teamwork makes the dream work. So consistency, help me understand how hard you guys work at that. We work really hard. That's probably our, you know, making sure that we're consistent and we are constantly communicating. Consistency and communication are everything in our business. It's more important than perfection. Like I said, the consistency is what beats the intensity. The discipline is what leads to habits. Habits lead to growth. Persistence is what's going to get us there. So we are always focused on that and our processes and our procedures and making sure that we're doing the same thing every day. When we come up with something as a team that we're going to change something, we make sure it takes 21 days to create a habit. So we're making sure that we're constantly holding each other accountable to creating those habits. Well, it's good stuff. You know, I asked about consistency and then you basically said it's it's better than perfection. I love that because as humans, we make mistakes. We do. We are human. We make mistakes and we even tell our customers that we're going to make it right. But if you follow that same habit every time, it's almost like you're robotic. So if you're doing that same thing every single time throughout the process, you're less likely to mess up. You know, we are held at such a high standard for what we have to get right in this industry. So if we focus on that consistency, maybe they won't hold us to a higher standard when we do mess up, if we get everything else right. Does the word consistency or perfection come up in any reviews at all? Oh, yeah, most definitely. They want to make sure we are held at us. You know, doctors get a practice. We have to get it right the first time. So we do have to be perfect. So practice makes perfect. Well, you know, Rachel, uh, thanks for coming in. You know, I've done all the things that I could do in the office. we got to send you out for some testing. And we'll see what comes back. You go back, he, the doctor says, or she says, listen, uh, here's the results. I think we want to do this, but let's try this. And if this doesn't work, we have something else we can do. We don't seem to get that kind of latitude, do we? No, not at all. I had to recently go to a doctor's appointment and I went in and they said, okay, well, we're going to try this for two weeks. So we tried that for two weeks. It didn't work. Went back after the two week period and they said, okay, well, now we're going to do this test. Well, had they given me the option up front, I would have told them, let's just do that test so we can make sure that we are positive on what it's going to take to correct this situation. But instead, it cost me twice as much where they had just given me the option up front of doing a biopsy, then I would have gone with that. That's what's so frustrating with in our industry is convincing someone they need the testing. I don't want to belabor the fact that healthcare may have a game. I don't mean that in a negative way. 
but it's almost like there's no doubt that revenue generation, I mean, some doctors in particular case, like my eye doctor wants to see me every six months and I've just got a couple of issues, but I'm thinking, is it for revenue generation or is, is it that serious that he wants to see me? So, you know, if something changes in my eye, I don't know that. But you won't find any other doctor putting any other doctor down saying that it is a good thing or a bad thing until they know the history of what may ail you. We know the history of your vehicle. We could probably predict when you should be in the next time. We should be setting appointments to come in just like doctors do on recalls. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, it's like them coming in for oil change every six months. Whereas they're going to do that vehicle health and safety evaluation just to make sure that vehicle is still safe and reliable. And I think that's no different than going in for a doctor's office visit or going to get your teeth cleaned every six months or your eye doctor appointment because you're bringing that car in to make sure that it's good to go and that there's nothing that needs to be done. I love it. So Rachelism's on onboarding new customers. What's the plan here at Spencer's? Onboarding a new customer, we want to find out who they had been using previously, why that they stopped going there, because we want to make sure that we are the right fit for them. We want to find out how long they've owned the car, how long they plan on keeping the car. We want to make sure that they were happy with their previous repair shop, what they liked about going there, what they disliked about going there. Um, Just onboard them and let them know all about us, that we've been in business since 2001, that we have financing options, that we'll be texting them the vehicle health and safety report. We have after hours pickup and drop off. We want to give them as much information as we possibly can. That way, they're not having to call us and ask these questions. If we're telling them all, all of this up front, especially with the financing, if we're letting them know up front, hey, don't worry, we're going to let you know everything the car needs. We don't expect you to fix everything today. And we have financing options available for you. Our warranty is also three years or 36,000 miles nationwide. So if we're giving them all that information up front when we're onboarding them. We're giving me a little bit of peace of mind up front and not letting them have to come to us and ask those questions later on. Okay. So I just heard you say over-communicate. I love that part. And you're giving that person the whole scope of what Spencer's is about. Ever do any of that on a pre-visit? Send them a video, send them some email, give them a link to a special page on the website that outlines what you guys are all about. Ever do that? Pre? We haven't tried it. I have heard of other shops doing it with their appointment reminder. So I think that is really a fabulous idea. I walk in the place and it's almost like when I mention the 336, it's the second time they've heard it in a couple of days. It's not like I'm overdoing it, but it's almost like putting hardener on the concept or the strategy. We try and reiterate it after we've checked them in in case they have questions about how our process is or anything. They actually get a link when they check in to us and it allows us them to check anytime throughout the day what the status of their vehicle is. That way they don't have to call us to find out what's going on with it. And attached to that link is to find out more about us. There's a link where it goes back to our webpage and it points to our after hours drop off and our text to pay. So there's different information that they can relate back to should they have any questions after they've left here. Okay, perfect. I love that. So Rachelism's on service advisor listening to their phone calls. I mean, number one is a shop owner. Where do you find the time? Uh, you've got to make time for it because your service advisors, they're the front of your business. They are the person that everybody gets to talk to. They are the person that's getting the person over the curb. So if we're not pitching, they're not catching. So we want to make sure that we are upbeat on the phone, that we're letting the customer know what to expect on their visit, everything. So we've got to be periodically screening those calls. Like I said, if you, you have to inspect what you expect. 
So listening to those calls is a very important aspect. Make sure your marketing dollars are working correctly. Make sure that your service advisors are treating your customers correctly. Make sure that they're following your processes and procedures. If you start seeing your numbers dipping, that's important. Maybe your ARO is going low. So you can listen to those sales calls and see, is the advisor presenting everything? You can listen to those calls and see, is the advisor getting those new customers over the curb to get them in the door? So there's lots that can bring to the table as far as listening to those calls, to finding out what might be the issues in your business, what things are going right, or even we sometimes we'll sit down all together and when we have another advisor up front and listen to those calls and, and coach each other through that. I love that part. I want to concentrate on this call for a little bit. When you sit down, you just all by yourself and listen to calls, do you have a check sheet in front of you based on everything that you feel that they should be covering on an opportunity call? Yeah, I actually have a scorecard that I use for that. And we've actually tried it. The advisors doing it as well, where I'll send a certain amount of calls to them and they have to grade themselves as well. So it works out really well because you can kind of see if someone's score is going up or down or they're improving on their calls. That's been a really great tool for us. I can see how it would be as objective as you could get it. It's still subjective to, well, the greeting was not as much. Well, I was having a bad day, Rachel. I'm sorry. But It's almost like they know, based on that scorecard, what it is that you're looking for them to do. I love it. Thank you so much for that. So how many per week would you listen to yourself? Probably 10 to 15 a week right now is what I'm able to listen to. We are trying to get another advisor on board right now, so I'm still filling in up at the front counter. So I'm listening to myself too, and I can tell the days that we are really busy. You can tell that you're kind of rushed with the calls. So it's important to listen to your own calls as well. I love it. And that verifies you need someone. (laughs) I was terrible. Oh, I can't lie. Am I on the counter? (laughs) You to talk yourself. Team, I need to get off the counter. Listen to this call. Listen how bad this was. <laughs> it's really good. Sometimes as business owners, we are the problem. So we have to remove ourselves from the problem sometimes. Stop participating in it. So let's talk about I'm the service advisor. I'm sitting down with you and we're listening. Maybe there's other people listening too. Is it really tough for them to maybe the first couple to listen to and then after a while says, okay, hey, great. I'm going to learn something from this. You're going to learn something from this. Coach me. I'll coach you. What does it take to get that individual up to listening to themselves? I think it's hard. I mean, it's just like if I was to go back and listen to this podcast later on, I mean, you're really hard on yourself. I think your own worst critic. So listening to those calls, but growth never comes from comfortable places. So in order to learn and grow, we've got to be in those uncomfortable places sometimes. But I think after a a couple phone calls, they kind of get more at ease and you realize, especially letting them listen to my calls or each other's calls, that we're all human and we're all going to make mistakes. And that's where we learn and grow. It seems to me that the overarching power at Spencer's is your culture. How can can you put a finger on those fundamentals that make you unique in who you are? And ultimately, for so many of us out there, is how do you embed a good culture in the company? I think you just have to lead by example, that you have to do what you say you're going to do. And you want to set a good example by things that we do around here, buying each other lunch, or I told both of my managers, take the company card. And if I happen to not be here and you, you feel like the guy's need a lunch, we'll go do that for them. The guys don't need to know that it's the company card that's buying it. They think it's you. So we're building up other leaders in the business too. Just this morning, our shop foreman went and bought kolaches for the whole shop. 
but everybody takes turns by that. And they've learned that by us leading by example through that. Last week, I was out mowing the grass. It needed to be mowed. We're short staff right now. So I went out there and started mowing. And two of my team members came out there and took the mower away from me. And the other one brought the weed eater out. So it's just that, again, that we're all a team. Teamwork is what makes this dream work. And just because it's my name on the building, they all have as much livelihood in this as, as we do. Their name may not be on the building, but I mean, it's just as important for them to be a part of what we do every day. Well, that's a testament to how hard you've worked to build a great culture. Where are you looking for people? We're struggling with that right now. I saw it on another Facebook group today that this has probably been the hardest time in our industry, that we are dealing with part shortages. We're dealing with technician shortages. We're in a recession. I don't know that I can recall a time in the last 19 years that I've been doing this where shop owners are just so tired. So I think that's where it is so important right now that we continue leading by example and that we have that great culture because there's so many other things that are trying to bring us down right now that we have got to remain positive for the people around us. Great, great words of advice. How many hours are you putting in a week? Probably 20 to 30 right now. I made a commitment to myself about two months ago that I was going to start taking care of myself more because if I didn't take care of myself, that I couldn't take care of my staff. So I've committed right now to trying to take better care of me so I can take better care of them. And I'm really trying to focus on trying to get them some help in here. I've been trying to recruit another service advisor since April, and we've got a commitment from her to come on board in August. I think that'll take a huge weight off the front counter. And now we're trying to fill a technician spot as well. Wow. I'm going to have to call Tracy and tell her I'm going down to 20 hours. (laughs) I am totally, totally motivated by that. And I'm going to call Tracy and say, it's a racialism, Trace. It's that 20-hour gig that I've been hunting my whole life for. And I'm going to give you credit if it does happen. I mean, when we're busy, I'm here more. But I'm really trying to work more on the business and not in the business. But I have been here the last couple of weeks a lot more since we lost that staff member. He actually left the industry, but trying to help out as much as I can. But we're trying to recruit technicians. We've talked to our school district here that has a program. We've talked to the Universal Technical Institute. We've talked to Lincoln Tech. I talked to a company this morning that's going to put our ad out there in several different places, but we're just not getting many applicants as far as technicians go. Gotcha, man. Wow. A slice of life with Rachel Spencer from Spencer's in Crum, Texas. It was the Rachelism episode and so much to learn from this. Thank you for sharing a little armchair quarterbacking with me. Appreciate you being on, Rachel. Thank you, Carm. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time.